and welcome to another episode of Chats with Chelsea. Last year, I had the amazing opportunity to attend a conference in D.C., and while I was there, I was able to meet today's guest. So ladies, welcome, help me welcome Mary Abijay. She is the author of Managing Up. I've already started, and it's awesome. It's career and life-changing, and she's the president of her own consulting group, Career Stone Group, which does leadership and organizational development. So ladies, help me welcome Mary. Mary, welcome to Chats with Chelsea. Hey, Chelsea. It's so lovely to see you again. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited to be here. I am stoked. So let's just jump right in. Tell us how it came about for you writing Managing Up. Oh, my goodness. Well, I've had a very unusual story in that the publisher actually came to me and asked me if I would like to write a book. Wow. And I was like, I was like, well, no, not really. <laughs> what to do? And they came back and they asked again. So I finally said yes. Because everybody on my team was like, what is wrong with you? Like, who gets asked to write a book? And so then I thought, well, what do I want to write about? And Managing Up has been a topic I've been passionate about for about 12 years. We had a workshop on this for about 12 years. And we have put thousands and thousands of people through it. And I thought, you know, everyone talks about leadership, but no one talks about how to lead from below. So that's why we wrote the book. And so it was it was actually 12 years of, um, of passion crunched into six months of writing. Wow, six months. Tell us for those uh, ladies in the Chats with Chelsea community who are thinking about being an author, me included, tell us about the writing process of, uh, first just the writing process and then what it was like to write about something that you just kind of, you created and you've lived over those 12 years. <laughs> That's a great question. Don't ever ask me that, so thank you. Well, first of all, everyone has to find their own writing process. And so for me, I did nothing for two months, uh, and then I realized, oh, Lord, it's four months away, my deadline. So I need a little bit of pressure to get going. So for me, once I had a structure, and I had a friend actually help me who's written a couple books, and he sat me down, he's like, what's your structure? I'm like, I don't know why you need my structure. But then I started thinking about it, well, I want to do, you know, quote, story, um, con content, story, that sort of thing. So once I sort of had that, and I outlined what I wanted my chapters to be about, the rest really was just grunt work after that. It was all about really carving out three and sometimes four days a week where I didn't do any work, and I, all I did was write, because now I'm under a time crunch. And so luckily I have a team uh, behind me that could take care of the business, because, you know, I have a business too, so they did that. So it was it was pretty, um, it was kind of grueling, uh, but it was just, it was hard work, and it was, it was fun too. The other thing I would say is, uh, make sure you write in your own voice. So that really helped. I'm just like, I'm not going to try and be someone I'm not. I'm just going to be Mary Abijay on the page. And so that made it a lot easier. Be who you are. Six, six, I'm, I, as I'm listening, I'm thinking about six months and then the first two months. And then, you know, I'm grateful for just your transparency and the fact that the first two months kind of were a wash. You were just <laughs> still trying to figure it out. And I think that's so key, not only for those who may be writing a book, but just for those who are in different stages of life, that sometimes there are periods where it just may be a wash and it's okay to That's suck right. it up and then to keep going and to push through. And so I know I'm grateful from that, which I've read so far. Uh, I mean, just to know that as an employee, as someone who has a leader, that I do have some, I would say, some power in my interaction with my boss. Um, and so for those who have not read the book, Mary, what would you say is one or two key pieces that you've heard from your speeches, from your reviews that has been life changing? 
Well, it's really all about the ability to be able to adapt, right? And so often we get stuck in who we are, or we should love who we are. I love who I am, right? And I want to be authentically who I am. And at the same time, I need to be authentically who I am in relation to other people. And in the workplace, our bosses have a lot of influence over our career success and our trajectory. And so sometimes you're going to have a boss with whom it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? It's wonderful. They're, I call them the unicorn bosses. But most of the time, they're not going to be that ideal for us because we make people bosses for all sorts of reasons in America. And so at the end of the day, we have a choice. We're either going to learn to work well with the boss that we have, not when we wish we had, or the boss that uh, we wish we had and we just stopped working. We stopped trying. And so it's about really understanding how to have relationship intelligence, especially when with your boss. So it's really about getting out of your own way, being choiceful and strategic about those relationships that matter because your boss matters. That's true. That's true. And it doesn't, the other thing I think that people um, don't understand is when they think about the boss-employee uh, relationship, they think about it as a hierarchy, and I would like them to think of it as more of a relationship, right? Because a hierarchy is about power, but in a relationship, everybody has agency. And so I want people to always be in choice about how they're choosing to interact with that person. Um, it's not, managing up is not about sucking up, right? It's not about being a sycophant or kissing someone's butt. It's about managing that relationship. And since your career matters, it's really important, I think, for people to understand that if we care about our careers, we need to care about managing that relationship that has a, a lot of influence over it. That is so awesome. One of the thoughts that came to my mind as I was reading the book, Mary, was, you know, managing up requires a lot of input for me, um, especially yeah. if my boss yeah. and I do not speak the same language. What do you say to young women out there who are like, who could be similar to me, who's been like, you know, I've had several bosses that we just spoke different leadership languages. And now I'm, I'm a little fatigued of trying to work around all these different styles. And I understand it's a relationship, but when do I just get a good a, a boss that it's like we work, <laughs> we buy? I know. So three things for that. Number one is I, it is exhausting. You know, whenever we want to operate in a way that's different out of our preference, uh, it's going to be more difficult, right? It just is. Like, I am actually an introvert uh, by nature, although I play an extrovert on TV. And so every day in my job, I have to bring my extroversion up, and it's hard. Right? So number one, um, it, it is hard. It does take extra effort to adapt to other people. Number two, the truth is we can't change them, right? Um, all we can do, the only power that we have as human beings is the power over our own, our own words, our deeds, our actions. So we, while we can't uh, change them or how they act, we can certainly change how we react and how we interact. And thirdly, I would say this, um, it's exhausting. And all those skills, Chelsea, that you're learning by adapting and managing up to those people, uh, those are the exact same skills that you're going to need to be the fabulous manager that learns how to adapt to his or her people, right? So never lose an opportunity to learn from a difficult boss because what you're learning is how to be a good boss. So I promise you all that adapting that you're doing, as exhausting as it is, there's probably not a personality around that you can't get along with now or you don't know how to operate with or that you, when they work for you, don't know how to adapt to them because you know what it's like when a person doesn't value you the way you are and so you'll make sure that you value other people the way they are and help to bring out the best in them because that's what managers really should do. When does a young professional know no. that 
that it is time to move on, though. They've done all that they can in managing up and applying these amazing techniques from your book. Um, but when is when is that time? When is it when is it time to move on? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always tell people, don't be one and done. Like you know, you try one strategy, it doesn't work. Don't just quit. Like try a couple strategies. But at the end of the day, sometimes the chemistry just isn't there, right? Sometimes the relationship just isn't there. You just don't see eye to eye, eye to eye. You don't have the same goals or priorities. And when you start feeling that you're spending more time thinking about how to please your boss, you know, how to work that relationship, then you are actually in your job. Then it's time to go. Um, of course, on top of that, it's definitely time to go if you have a toxic boss, and it's definitely time to go when you're just ready to learn something new. But if you feel like you're constantly swimming uphill with that boss, and you've tried everything, and they're just the chemistry isn't there, it's, it's okay to quit. It's time to move on. I like that. So how do you define a toxic boss? Because oh. I, as I think about members of the Chats with Chelsea community, people who are going to be tuned <laughs> in like, they're probably like listening very intently right now to this conversation um, and what you have shared. What is a toxic boss versus someone that you should just try to, you should at least try to adapt to? Yeah, so you, you're right. So there's like bosses that are easy, bosses that are kind of annoying, bosses that are pretty difficult, and then you have your toxic bosses. And so when I think about the toxic bosses, I'm thinking about the truly terrible, the psycho tyrant, screaming, shouting, bully narcissist, right? The people that emotionally uh, abuse you and God forbid physically abuse you. I mean, that's even beyond the toxic. But the kind of boss that constantly demeans you, devalues you, shouts at you, screams at you, play psychological mind games with you. That's the toxic boss. And I want people to be really clear about knowing the dangers of toxic bosses. They will make you sick. And I mean sick physiologically, psychologically, and physically. Uh, studies have shown that people who work for toxic bosses are 60% 60 more likely to suffer stroke or heart attack. And that's on top of, wow. oh, and that's, and that's on top of your 120% more likely to suffer from colds and flus and things like that. So when you find that you are completely like every Sunday feels like you're about to go to jail, right? Because you have to go to work the next day. And when you feel like knots in your stomach and you feel depressed and emotionally downtrodden uh, about the thought of work, and when you feel like you have to cry every day to go to before you can even go in, and all of your friends tell you, why don't you leave that stupid job? That's when you know it's time to go. Mary, so we talked about managing up um, your book, um, you've been teaching that for 12 years. Tell us a little bit about your consulting group and how that got started. Well, we started doing organizational, uh, organizational development consulting and talent development consulting. Well, I started doing it like 15 years ago. Um, I was, I actually had, uh, I'd done a couple different things. I had worked for the government. I had worked for in PR for a museum. I had done marketing for a high tech firm and I had a really, really terrible, terrible boss. Uh, he was a screamer and a shouter. So I quit. And I opened up a bar. So, wow, so. I saw that, that you owned a bar for, what, 17 years? Yeah. Right. And I only worked at it for a couple of years. But what I discovered uh, by owning the bar was, A, I really liked being an entrepreneur. I really liked working for myself. That was really groovy. And the second thing I learned is that I really, well, I was very successful because it's not that hard in the donut bar. Um, I don't know how much so many people mess it up. Um, 
but so many people would come and ask me, like, oh, how did you do that? How are you so successful? How do you train your people so well? Because people would steal our staff all the time. And I found that I had a knack or a passion. I don't know if I had a knack for it. But I had a passion for helping other people be successful. Uh, and so I thought, well, this is what I want to do next. So after running, running the bar for a couple of years, I went back to school and got a degree, a couple of degrees in organizational management, organizational development, coaching, facilitation, and started consulting uh, then. And then about 10, 10, about 12 years ago, we started, so I guess I started consulting 20 years ago. About 12 years ago, I started CareerStone, and that was really around um, passion for helping people in their early in their careers, emerging careers, emerging talent. So CareerStone was really formed around helping uh, organizations create great climates for young people and for young people to be successful in those climates. Wow. So how, um, you owned a bar, you went back to school, career stone started. I just love that vision and mission that you have keeping young people in mind and their growth and how they're able to adapt to cultures and cultures being, um, work cultures being able to adapt to our needs, especially as you think right. about the differences in generations. Um, yet in that Mary, how did you build this business to where it is today? How did you get your first and your second client? One client at a time, Chelsea. That's how you build it, right? So first of all, you build it. Well, how, what I how, way I did it because I didn't come from like a big four consulting firm, right? A lot of people do that. Um, I did it first of all by doing a lot of uh, volunteer gigs. So um, I went to some local nonprofits and reached out to my network. Luckily, when you own a bar, you have a lot of friends. Uh, and I started taking on some projects for free, um, anywhere just to get my experience and get my my name out there. That's thing number one. Did a lot for free. I still do a lot for free because I'm a, kind of, a pro bono kind of gal, um, uh, especially for youth. Uh, then the second thing I did is I looked at people who were more senior than me in their consulting businesses and I did what's called subcontracting. Um, so I would contract myself out. I would be an independent contractor for projects that they had to get more experience and get more things. And then I would just network and talk to people. And then I would look for proposals. We'd do some work in the government and just slowly started building. And I, I had a partner at the time too, so she, that was really great. And we went from small and then we doubled and then we doubled and then we doubled. So it was, it's been a lot of work, but it's, I, I love what I do. Every day is so cool and different. Yesterday I was in Philadelphia. Um, next, tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow we go to Houston. Last week I was in uh, uh, Austin, Texas and Albuquerque uh, doing different projects for different people. So I, I love what I do. Well, I, for me, thank you for sharing. The last question was a little selfish because I have just, um, again, from since I met you last year, I've been following you on Twitter and all the great work. And I've been curious because I have a consulting company and it's, okay, how do I get to what I define as successful yeah. and how do I get to a place where I can be like Mary and I'm influencing and impacting lives. And so, uh, thank you for one reminding me that, that I have to do some things for free, you know, but when you're building, yeah. it can seem kind of counterintuitive because you're trying to build so that you're able to sustain yourself and bring on more people. Yet I, I think from what you share, it's, it's more of a long-term, um, strategy that you have to keep in mind. Yeah, so I love giving advice on this. I'll give you a couple of more pieces of advice. One, long-term is exactly right. It's a marathon. And you never know, like, when you do something that is going to hit. Like, so often, the mistake that I made in the very beginning, because I used to get so down on myself, is I thought, oh, I did this great thing for all these people. All these CEOs were in there. and Someone's going to call me tomorrow, and 
the phone doesn't ring. Two years later, a phone rings. You know, that's what you don't know. Like, they did something free for, uh, I don't know, a group of event planners, literally like in our first year of business. Three years later, one of the women in there called me. She was now working at that very Tony Law firm, and she brought me in, and they have turned out to be one of my biggest clients ever. Like, so you just never know. It is long term. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, do not quit. They say most small businesses or consulting businesses don't actually hit their stride until year five. Year five? Year five, girl. So and I know a lot of people that quit at year three. You got to go at least at year five. Year five. Year five. Year five. Year five. I'm being inspired and challenged at the same time. Mary. Year five. The other thing is write down your goal somewhere. Like write down, I don't know if you do a mind map or something or if you have like a vision board, mm -hmm. but make one just for your profession and then. Uh, just for you as in your professional life, what you want to accomplish, and then put it away somewhere or put it somewhere, and I promise you half of them will come true. But not right away. It's going to take a while. It's, well, Mary, as we uh, come to a close, I am so grateful for you sharing your experiences about managing up and the importance of individuals um, and for the sake of the Chastel Chelsea community for women to understand the power in managing up and the ability to, to adapt in situations taking us and helping us to understand how you have grown your successful consulting business. And so here's my question to you, Mary. What is that one piece of advice as a woman entrepreneur? Um, you are a boss. You are a CEO. You're the president. What's that one piece of advice to the young lady who's watching who says, you know, I want to be like Mary when I grow up? Take control of your career and your life today. Do not be a career victim at any time. Take your opportunities. Take, ask for what you want. Go for what you want. Make thoughtful choices. Have a vision. Realize it's not going to happen overnight. And just and slow and steady wins the race. Um, but it's really about taking control of what you want to do and making the choices that you want and not letting anybody else tell you what you can and can't do in that choice. If you want to open up a flower company or a consulting business or whatever, plan it, think about it, be strategic, but don't let anybody else uh, tell you that you can't be done. And that's, I have one more piece of advice because I'm writing a blog on it now. I should interview for it. Uh, women have to learn how to self-promote. So don't make yourself small. Whatever you're going to do, you have to make sure that people know what you're doing and how great you are at it. You don't like, it's not about being a bragger or being arrogant, but women think that the world's a meritocracy, and I hate to tell you ladies, it is not. You do have to be good at what you do, but people have to know you as well. So be prepared, whether you're starting your own business or you're promoting your career, to promote yourself. Nuggets, you, you, you just left us with some gold nuggets here for our career. <laughs> I am so, Mary, you have been an absolutely joy and a blessing to have you on Chats with Chelsea today. I know that the information and nuggets that you share is going to help so many young women and older women who are um, either finding themselves in some tough situations at work or thinking about um, living out their passions and their dreams from an entrepreneurial perspective. So let us know, let the Chats with Chelsea community know how they can stay in touch with you. Oh, that'd be great. Chelsea, by the way, you are so adorable. I This is so much fun. I will do your show anytime with you or hang out with you anytime. All right, to find me, you can follow me on Twitter, 
at Mary Abijay, or find me on LinkedIn at Mary Abijay, or Instagram if you're seeing a theme here at Mary Abijay. Um, you can purchase the book on Amazon, uh, Managing Up. You can see the book website, managingupthebook.com, or you can find my company, careerstonegroup.com. Just Google Mary Abijay and stuff will come up. It's all there. All <laughs> the wonderful things that you're doing. Mary, thank you so much to the Chatswood Chelsea family. Please, please go purchase this book. It will be career changing whether you are working somewhere or you're working for yourself. You want to know how to be a great leader from whatever position you're in. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you for the next episode of Chats with Chelsea. Bye, Chelsea.